This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. The excitement and joy of the holidays fills us with delight this time of year. Homes are handsomely adorned with holiday decor, department stores are decked out with cheerful displays and festive music, and trees are aglow with twinkling lights and old-fashioned ornaments. Yet it's important to remember that which seems beautiful on the outside can be hopelessly flawed on the inside. Join us as we continue our theme, What Child Is This?, with today's message, He is Our Savior. Again, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, who has given your incarnate Son, the holy name of Jesus, to be the sign of our salvation, plant in every heart, we earnestly ask you, love for him who is the Savior of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Our reading for today is from Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Here ends the reading. Dear friends, if you happen to be a parent, how did you pick the name of your children? I remember when Julie and I were trying to pick a name for our firstborn son, we picked the name Sam because it seemed like a good, strong name for a kid. When our daughter came along a few years later, we named her Martha because we had friends named Charlie and Martha Shedd, and one of the things that caught our attention was how Charlie, when he talked about Martha, her name would roll off his lips like music, and he'd smile as if Martha was the most beautiful name and person in the world, and we came to love that name. 
Names are an interesting thing when you think about it. When we begin to look at names in the Bible, they take on a greater significance than just distinguishing one person from another. In fact, in Hebrew thought, a name was extremely significant. Names weren't chosen because it reminded them of an Aunt Hilda or Uncle Harold. Parents chose names that they thought would embody the personality, characteristics, or character that they wanted to see developed in this child. We also see the importance of a name in the New Testament in times of crisis. If a person's life or outlook changed, often that name was changed to match it. Saul became Paul, for instance. When Jesus got a hold of Peter, his name was Simon, but Jesus changed that name later on to Peter, which was in effect the name Rocky. In today's reading from Matthew, we're looking at the name that Christians declare is the name above all names. The story begins with a man named Joseph, who's very troubled. He had been betrothed to a woman named Mary. This commitment to one another was far deeper than what we know today as a engagement. This was almost the same thing as being married without living together or having sexual relations. But midway through this engagement period, Mary became pregnant. And Joseph, knowing the child couldn't be his, is hurt and confused, of course. Being a righteous man, but also kind, Joseph decided in his heart that he couldn't continue on with this, and that he would quietly break off the plans with Mary in such a manner as to not publicly disgrace her. Well, just as he was about to do that, Joseph had a dream in which God, through an angel, spoke to him and gave him some insight and direction as to what Joseph should and shouldn't do next. Funny thing, as you look through Scripture, God frequently spoke to biblical characters through dreams. If you sense God is speaking to you through a dream, I would advise that you check it with Scripture before you follow through on it, act on it. But Joseph received this dream and this message. God's message to Joseph was this, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for this child within her is a special child, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Just as we confess in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. That's what this messenger is saying. This is no ordinary child. This child is both God and man. In fact, a few moments later, Matthew will describe Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. I like this statement of the great author and theologian C.S. Lewis as he describes the amazing virgin birth of Jesus. He wrote, Jesus was conceived when God took off the glove of nature and touched Mary with his naked finger. Thus, Jesus did not evolve up and out of history. He's the Son of the Father from eternity, born of the Virgin Mary, true God and true man. And many people have come to understand and believe this about Jesus after a lot of reflecting and research. Like John, who wrote in his gospel, In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word meaning Jesus became flesh and 
lived among us, and we have seen his glory as a of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And then John goes on to say, no one has ever seen God. It's God, the only son, who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. He's no ordinary child. He's God in the flesh. But God's messenger also went on to tell Joseph this. It's where I want to focus today. She shall have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That statement is what I don't want you to miss today. It answers the very question we've been addressing in this sermon series. What child is this? It's the name that says it all. It literally means the Lord saves. This child will one day save his people from their sins, the messenger said. What child is this? This child is our Savior. He's the infinite God-man who came to save us from our sins, which are our greatest problem. I love this saying I came across years ago. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, then God would have sent an economist. If our great need had been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so he sent us a Savior. You see, you and I have a deep-rooted problem. We are sinners before God rebels going our own way, self-centered, egocentric, by nature sinful and unclean, looking out for number one and trying to run our own lives without God, in essence trying to be our own gods. There are consequences for this. The Bible tells us in Romans the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, no relationship with God who created us, and an eternal death, an eternity spent without him. But here is the good news. While we were still sinners, rebels, enemies, God in his love for us gave us his son, and he came after us to save us from sin and death and the power of the devil. Now, I know, I know, some folks think, hey, I'm a pretty good person. If we compare ourselves with one another, we Kind of set up a, maybe God creates on a curve type of thing. I'm, I may not be g- perfect, but I'm better than this person. But the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us who can stand before God with our spiritual resume and say, look, I deserve to have a relationship with you and to get into your heaven, God. No, we fall way short. We lack perfection in God's sight. An illustration of this might help you to better understand. Let's pretend that God has started an all-universe hall of fame called heaven. And this is how you get in. You play consistently enough, let's say for at least a dozen years, and you play airless baseball. You bat a thousand, and then you can get in. It's impossible, right? Even Miguel Cabrera, who's probably the best hitter in baseball, couldn't play up to those standards. Well, likewise, you and I, as spiritual beings, cannot live up to the standards for us to have an eternal relationship with God in heaven. On our own, we always fall short. 
God who loves us is a just and holy God. So he can't simply ignore our sinfulness. He can't allow the impure into his heaven. And that's sinful humanity's problem. And God provided the solution. That's what makes this gift of a Savior so special. While we were hopelessly, helplessly lost, God in his mercy and grace gave us a Savior, Jesus. He grew up, became a man, lived the perfect life of obedience, which made him the perfect sacrifice to pay for your sins and mine. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He sacrificed his life He allowed himself to be crucified on a cross on a hill outside of Jerusalem as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. He took our punishment upon himself. It was the greatest transaction or exchange in history that took place at that cross. He took our sins upon himself and endured the wrath of God's holy judgment at that cross and offers you and me his saving cover of righteousness. Through his sacrifice, there is forgiveness for my sinfulness. Jesus, God saves. He's the Savior everyone needs. I came across this little devotional uh, years ago by a fellow named Paul Richardson. He writes, There it stood, the best tree in the lot. It was the second Christmas of our married life, and with newlywed-like impulse, we decided to forego the two-foot-high plastic tree that graced our coffee table the year before. We had found the perfect tree instead. It was wide at the base and came to a perfect point on top. With blissful Christmas cheer, we paid the $25, moved it into our 77 Chevy Citation, and drove to our apartment. I cleared a spot next to the couch and set it up in the corner. At least, I tried to set it up in the corner. Our perfect tree immediately fell, turning our tree stand into green and red scrap metal. Another tree stand and multiple attempts only brought about the same problem. The tree wouldn't stand up. When I probed into the forest of green needles, I discovered our perfect tree had a huge flaw. The base of the tree began straight and centered, but the middle of the trunk contorted in pretzel-like twists, bending this way and that, but coming out straight at the top. It was perfect on the outside, but hopelessly flawed within. It could never stand on its own. In our not-so-perfect Christmas tree, I saw the story of Christmas. On the outside, we like to show that we have it all together, but inside we know differently. Hurts, pains, disappointments, anger, and bitterness. Worse yet, there is the contortion of our souls the Bible calls sin. And no matter how many ornaments my wife and I hung on our tree, we knew it could never stand on its own. And no matter how many ornaments we attached to our lives, we can never be right with God on our own. The Christmas story is not about God seeing how nice we were and coming down to spend time with sweet people. It's the story of God seeing twisted, hurting, sinful people and coming down to die for us. It's a story about love. God came to save us from sin. And while it entailed the joy of a new baby being born, it ended up with Jesus taking our sins upon himself and dying as our substitute. So, What do we do with this discovery, folks, that has been revealed to us in this message? Matthew's gospel puts the spotlight on Joseph and shows us. Joseph believed the message and acted upon it. He awoke from sleep 
and counted on the promises of God and went into action. How about you? Have you awakened to this word of, from God of what he's done for you through Jesus Christ and acted on it? Have you received it? For that is what we're called to do. That's the answer. Just receive him. Like the Christmas carol says, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. And when he enters in, you will be saved. Amen. Let's pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels their great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Lord, we thank you for the wondrous gift of Jesus, our Savior. Without him we would be lost and separated from you for eternity. It is mind-boggling to consider the depths of your love for us. And if there's anyone listening into this service today who's standing outside of that relationship with the Savior, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, stir up that person whom you love so deeply to ask Christ in. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Emmanuel go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message will help you awaken to all that God has done for you in Jesus Christ and receive him into your heart. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported by the financial gifts of our listeners. We are especially grateful for our Gift Every Month Gem Club members. These regular gifts sustain our ministry during quiet giving times. Your support allows us to deliver biblical truths to those who cannot attend church. If you are interested in supporting Christian Crusaders in this way, contact our office at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. Today's service is also available to be read or heard on our colorful, redesigned website. You can also find hundreds of other messages on the site. Visit our website today at christiancrusaders.org. That's christiancrusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. CDs and printed copies of today's message can be obtained free of charge by calling or writing our office. However, a gift to help cover production and mailing cost is always appreciated. Contact us today at Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. 
We are happy you were able to worship with us this day and pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor at Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and Speaker on Christian Crusaders.